Uh, my name is Bailey Powers, and I grew up here in Hutchinson. Uh, me and my family kind of strayed away from the church a little bit, um, me more than others. Um, when I became a teenager, I had a child at the age of 19. Me and my husband now, um, we split up for, for a couple of years. And my mental health wasn't exactly the best before I came to Christ because I would have anxiety attacks weekly. My depression was at an all-time low. That was one of the hardest years of my life. I uh, just really had nothing going for me that was very good for me, um, except my child, of course. There was a conversation I had with my grandmother, and she told me that she would love it if I would come back to church and how great it would be for Riley, my daughter. And so my husband and I had a conversation, and I said, well, let's just go this one time and um, see kind of how it goes for us. And he was like, okay, uh, let's go. So we decided, let's just go this one day, and immediately I was hooked. Um, my grandma was like, let's take Riley to go to kids' church, and I was a little bit nervous with her being away from me for the first time um, at church. And so... She went, and the second we left church, all of us decided that it was right for us. So we reconnected with the church. I felt immediately welcomed back at the church. Uh, it was the greeters at the door, the, the people welcoming you in. Um, we sat down, and my daughter left me, and I immediately felt comfortable. The church has helped me grow by giving me steps to take in my faith to help me um, grow in my faith with God and has helped me to connect with him and actually see a relationship rather than a religion. Being around other believers is, is what makes the church so great because doing it on your own, it's easy to slip up and it's easy to say, oh, I can read my Bible later or I can watch church online later or I can do it another time. I have plenty of time to do it. But being around other believers who kind of push you and help mentor you, um, really helped to kind of show you where you need to go. My grandma has encouraged me the most. She really is my light and, and has been my guide and has really shown me what a relationship with God can do for you. My encouragement to moms and grandmas everywhere would be to just show them that example, to give them that relationship and to bless them with bringing them to church because no one else will. I mean, you, you have to give them that opportunity to show up. I've noticed that I don't feel as heavy. I, I can give whatever is on my heart and my soul to God instead of me sitting and harboring and worrying about it. I feel that I can lean on other Christians as well who struggle with, with mental disorders and, and things like that, and I can, I can get help from other people who go through the same things I do. I've seen God heal so many different things that I can't explain that gives me hope, and it makes me believe even harder. Can we thank Bailey for sharing her story with us this morning? 
We all have a story, and uh, we were wanting to share some stories of some moms, and there's just so many that we could have shared. Bailey's been uh, kind of a, a boomerang, is what I call it, a kid to our church, a young lady now. And uh, for those of you who've been around a while, her grandmother is Kathy Harris. And uh, when I mean boomerang, I mean sometimes, you know, we grow up, and we may grow up in church, and then we kind of like, hey, I get to decide on my own. I get to make my own decisions, and uh, sometimes we kind of walk away from that. Um, but I love the scripture that says, train a child in the way that they should go, and when they grow old, they will not depart from it. And I'm thankful for boomerang young people, and I'm thankful for your boomerang story, and that uh, she was baptized at our last baptism. We got a couple baptisms we had in our first service. We'll have a couple today. Uh, Bailey was a part of our last baptism, and she just has more to that story, and I um, hope you can get to know Bailey a little bit because she's got a great story of God's grace working in and through their family and in their life. So thank you for sharing uh, that today. I want to welcome those of you joining us online today. So glad that you're with us as well. If this is your first time, we want to thank you for uh, being here on this Mother's Day. I don't, I'm just glad you're here. You may be here because you, uh, you don't get to eat today unless you join mom for church. That's okay. We're glad you're here. We believe there's a reason that we're here. We try not to go too long, um, but we do believe that God has some good things to share with us today. I want to celebrate all moms today, all ladies. My aunt that died this last year, um, she was our favorite aunt. She never had any children. She was almost 80 when she passed away. And her and her, her, and her husband were our favorite aunt and uncle, probably for good reason because they had plenty of energy to give the rest of the nieces and nephews. And that's not a slight to my other uncles and aunts that I love so much, but they had their own kids who they happened to love more. Um, so anyway, it was, I'm, I'm just thankful for all mother figures, ladies in our life. I'm thankful for my wife today, and I'm thankful for the mother that she is. And I'm thankful for my mom who's watching online. who has been battling some health struggles lately, and so I know she's home watching today. Happy Mother's Day. And I'm thankful for my mother-in-law as well, too. We have ladies in our life. We're grateful for and we're thankful. I'm also mindful today that it's a, it's a double-sided coin. And on the other side of that coin, there's some hurts today. Uh, there's lost loved ones. There's a loss of a mother maybe in your family or a loss of a child in your family. Um, a loss of a dad or a loss of a loved one that's not here this Mother's Day. I know there's also those that would be here that have, you know, won a child, and you're praying for that. And uh, so there's just different things going on, and we're, we recognize those things as well and believe that although life isn't always easy, God is still good, and God is going to help, and we are praying for your peace and your comfort if this is a hard day for you. My prayer is that you'll leave here today with more hope than you came in. If I had one goal today on Mother's Day of all days, it would be that especially moms, especially ladies, that you would leave today encouraged, lifted up, strengthened, knowing that you're valued and you're loved, and we are so grateful for you. I also know today can be a lonely day, as we said. And so if that's, you find yourself in, we've all been in those situations. We've all felt lonely at times. Uh, I've been in a room before that's full. I'm sure you have too, where you've been in a room that's completely jam-packed and full, but yet you felt alone and empty. And you felt a loneliness in your heart. And if you find yourself in that place today, where we're going in our message today, we've been in a series called Hope. And this is about raising our hope levels and uh, first of all, our hope is founded on a foundation of Jesus Christ, that he is our Lord and Savior, that he died on a cross for us. He rose three days later, and without that hope, we have nothing. That's our foundation. That is what we lay our hat on. But there's a way in which Jesus wants us to live as well, too. And he gives us um, some 
helps and instruction through his word and how we're out to live out that life. God wants us to be a people of hope because he's given us hope. Well, how do we live out that hope? How do we raise our level of hope? Uh, A lot of my inspiration is from a book called Hope Quotient from Ray Johnson, a pastor in Sacramento, mentor, uh, great, great pastor, great man, who wrote a book on hope, founded on scripture, and how hope, how if all of us raise our hope a little bit, or if your hope's raised a little bit, we're all better for it. Your family's better for it. Your kids are better for it. Your work's better for it. You're better for it. It's better if we have our hopes raised. So what are some things, and there's seven factors we've been talking about to build our hope. And the first foundation of that is the hope in Jesus Christ. But then there's how we're going to continue to to build that hope. And so today... um, I thought a lot about this message and where we're getting ready to go, and actually Bailey hit on it a little bit, and it's this idea of connectedness, togetherness. This is a good thing that we're doing. It's good that we're together this morning. It's good when we gather as a family of believers and as a church and small groups and large groups when we gather around the name of Jesus Christ. There's something that builds our hope in this. I'm always, my hope is always raised when I leave here on Sundays. I'm better for being here with you. I'm a better pastor. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father for being with you. Our hopes are raised. Because today we're living in a day where there's an epidemic of loneliness. You've, I'm sure, seen some of the stories just in the last couple of weeks. I saw this on ABC News. I saw it on some of the web uh, pages, the studies that was done recently about the epidemic of loneliness and how it is equal to smoking a pack of cigarettes a day to your health. And that's what isolation and loneliness it is. It impacts our health. It causes higher cardiovascular issues. It causes uh, increased risk of stroke, just like smoking would. It causes higher anxiety. It causes higher depression. It even accelerates dementia. And, and the one of the groups that's been mostly impacted is this age between the ages of 15 and 24. Since post-pandemic, um, the shutting down and being closed, and there was this, in this study, it said that 70% of our young people between the ages of 15 and 24 are more isolated today than they were before. That they are 70% less connected with their peers. Now they're more connected online and on social media, but they're less connected in a physical sense. And we are meant relationship. It's, it's the way that God wired us. He wired us for relationship. Uh, the Surgeon General is calling on schools and churches and businesses to be a part of a solution. I mean, who would have thought that a government official is asking the church to be a part of the solution? Uh, because houses of worship today are less Uh, they're less attended than they were. It's starting to come back. But even those that are coming back, they're a different group that are coming back. There's a group that has just completely disengaged, unconnected, and uh, they're not finding a place of connectedness like they did before in the church. Um, Businesses are being called to rethink even their their policies of uh, working at home all the time, remote uh, remote working. Several of my daughter's friends are completely remote working in Chicago. And something I feel like I've noticed in their lives is it's not helpful. It's not helping them. I think a day or two a week or something like that, it can be a great thing. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not completely opposed to it, but there's something about coming together and working together. There's something about living and being in community. We were not made, made to be isolated. We were not made to be alone. That's the devil's plan. 
In fact, from the very beginning, we see that God, when he made creation, he did so much and he called it good. And he said, hey, I made the sun and the stars, it's good. I made day and night, and it's good. I, I made the animals and the birds of the sky, and it's good. I've made man, and it is good. In fact, he said of man and mankind, it is very good. But then he said this. He said, this is not good. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him for Adam but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So what's taking place is God is bringing all the animals to Adam for him to have uh, dominion over, for him to name. And he's, he's looking for something that might kind of be a companionship. And I did, I think God got pretty close when he created dog. We have dogs in here. We have some dog lovers in here. Yeah, I mean, we've had two golden retrievers. And are they not just some of the best friends that you ever have, your dog? They teach us something about who God is in unconditional love. I mean, we leave Molly the day sometimes if I don't get a chance to come home because I get busy and I can't let her out for lunch or something. She might be left there all day. When she leaves, she can't communicate with, well, she communicates those sad eyes. But when we look at her, she has no idea why we're leaving or where we're going. But there she goes, there they go. They're doing it again. And, and we leave. Eight hours later, we come back. And that tail's wagging. Hugging, excited, licking, giving you sloppy kisses. I mean, you guys don't try this, but if you did on a Saturday morning, you uh, just left your wife for the day. You didn't tell her where you're going. You didn't answer her texts or her calls. And eight hours later, you showed up. How's that going to go for you? <laughs> not very well. Either way, it's not going to go very well. Dogs aren't the answer. And that was soon found out because dogs do have some problems. They get kind of smelly. Ours does. We used to call our other dog Smelly Nelly. After didn't get a bathroom in a while, she's smelly. And the other thing is, you know, that same tongue, the tongue that licks you, licks inappropriate places, you know. Um, so there were some things that Adam's like, hey, that's pretty cool. I love this thing, but it's not going to work. And so I will make up. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And so this is where the good news comes. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, and then he closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made woman. I, I think we can, especially if we've grown up in the church like I have, we can read this. We've read it so many times. We read it without any feeling, without any emotion, without any awe, without any inspiration. We're just, we've just been there, done that, been there before. But can we just think for a moment what this was like? I mean, you remember, guys, how excited you were on your wedding day when your bride walked down? And you'd seen her before. And yet it was, you were in awe and you were inspired. But this is, no woman's been made. He puts Adam in a deep sleep, gives him God anesthesia, puts him out. And then he gently wakes up Adam and says, Adam, wake up got something special for you. Can you just imagine that? And then, because God can be everywhere, he's with Adam, but he's also over here with Eve, and can you see, he's just kind of pushing Eve, saying, go ahead, go ahead. Can you see what Adam, what he must have felt in that first moment when he laid on what was his equal, what was, what was something that was not, it was, it was like him, but different? And in that moment, 
God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Guys, can I get an amen today? That God brought woman to man. Can I get a, yeah, I appreciate that. A bigger amen from the rest of you would be helpful. God made man. He brought, he brought woman to man, and he saw that it was good, that it was not good that we be alone. And so this isn't a marriage, a sermon on marriage. So if you're about to check out because you're single or those, this isn't a sermon on marriage, but it is on connectedness. We are made for people. God made us for one another. And I think about the Apostle Paul. And I think about his life. And I, I think about a man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And then I think about Peter, who Jesus said, Upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And yet you look in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Peter wrote first, second, and third Peter, but they were like children's books. I mean, there were small chapters. They were short. They were not many. I mean, it's just, it's rich and it's really good, but there wasn't a lot of words that Peter wrote in the New Testament. Paul wrote two-thirds of them. I think I have a, a theory about the reason why. Paul was single. Paul had time. And Peter didn't. Peter was married. It wasn't a bad thing that was, Peter was married, but Paul was single and I celebrate today those who are married because that's God's plan. God wants us to do that, but it's also God's plan for some to be single. It's God's plan for some to advance the kingdom of God and bring glory to him through their singleness and their single devotedness to him. The Apostle Paul, this isn't a thing of isolation. When you're single, it doesn't say that you're signed up for isolation. I don't know of anybody in the New Testament more connected than the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was deeply connected. And you just see it through his writings. You see at the beginning when he's, when he's writing, and I want to help us raise our hope today by doing as Paul did, refusing to go it alone. And I want you to see some of what Paul wrote. In, in Romans, he said, and the first thing out of the gate, he says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. And, and he says in Colossians, I always thank my God for you. To young Timothy, he said, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Paul didn't have any children, but he had, a, he had sons and daughters. He had spiritual sons and daughters, people that he was deeply connected with and invested in. To young Mark, he said, and Mark, bring him with you. Bring him with you because if you look through his, uh, the end of his letters, oftentimes you'll see a laundry list of, of guys and gals that he says, thank you. Bring this person with you. Bring that person with you. Thank you. I, wouldn't, I couldn't have done it without you. I couldn't have done it without you. Paul is deeply connected to the church. He's deeply connected first and foremost to his faith in Jesus Christ. But Paul recognizes he's not meant to be alone. He was made for others. He was made for people. And he was thankful for his rich relationships. And then in the Old Testament, we, sing, we see Solomon, who is the wisest man that ever lived, according to Scripture. Which is kind of interesting that he had 300 wives and 700 concubines, which just goes to show just because you're the wisest doesn't mean you can't be stupid. Does, just because you've been given wisdom doesn't, you, doesn't mean you can't act in, in stupidity. And so, but he was, he asked God for one thing, that he would give him wisdom. And, and this is one of his sayings in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. 
For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Yesterday, Pastor Dustin, he had finished, I'd, I'd sent all my sermon notes to him, and he did, always does a great job of putting these together. And he said, hey, I don't have a picture of your dad. Um, you still haven't sent that to me. And Heather was right there, and Heather was like, what picture are you talking about? And I said, well, it's going to show that, you know, picture from a couple months ago. My dad uh, is 83. He had taken a fall. He had passed out in the kitchen, and he looked like he had been in a beer brawl fight. And, you know, guys, it's kind of a badge of honor. I mean, he had a good black eye, a good shiner, face kind of beat up. He was smiling. I mean, he was proud of it. And I wanted to show that picture, and she was like, okay, no, we're not going to do that. So um, if you don't like that, you need to talk to Heather um, after the service today. Uh, it's a reminder to us that things begin to change for our family. Because after that fall a couple months ago, my mom and dad sold their place in Branson. They've moved to Kansas City to be closer to my sister, to live in an apartment. Because they're at a place where, hey, when you fall down and when you're having to go to the hospital more like they've been having to go to the hospital more, both of them, you want family around. You want someone that there is there to help you and pick you back up. In a spiritual sense, in a church sense, we're to perform that same function for one another. Pity the person that has no one to help them up. The church is meant to lift each other up. The church is meant to build one another up. The church is meant to, when you fall down and you scrape your knees and, and you mess up and you blow it, it's not the place to run from. It's the place to run to. It's a place where people are gathered and saying, hey, we struggled. I've fallen down too. And when I was down, you picked me up. And when you're down, I'm going to help pick you up. Woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Ray Johnson, pastor in Sacramento of a large church, says the success or failure of your life is largely determined by the equipment you use. You wouldn't try to fight a forest fire with a squirt gun. You wouldn't try to fly across the Pacific Ocean with a hang glider. You wouldn't try to hit a baseball without a bat. You have to have the right equipment. Fortunately, God has provided the equipment you need to make it in this life. The most overlooked essential equipment needed is connected relationships. God made us for relationships. And it's one of the most important tools. Yes, he gives us the word of God. Yes, he gives us prayer. And that's important. But we were meant for community. We were meant to do this life together. And we're, we're meant to encourage and to build one another up. We really do need each other, as John Wesley says. We need one another, uh, and we're stronger in our relationships. We're better together. So today, my main message is refuse to go it alone. And I want to share with you five things, five relationships that every single one of us need. Four of them we love. And the last one, not so much, but we all need them. But five relationships we all need that God wants us to have in our lives. The first one is vision casters. Our chief one in life is somebody who shall make us do what we can. I think of coaches. Coaches are good at this. Actually, moms are good at this. Some dads are good at this. Hopefully, some pastors are good at this. Teachers can be good at this. People, we need people who believe in us. We talked about this a few weeks ago. You want to raise your hope. We need people in our lives that believe in us, that see something in us that maybe we don't see in ourselves, but they have a, they have a vision for our life maybe before we did. Someone had a vision for me in ministry before I ever had that vision for myself. 
You've had that maybe in your life. We all need vision casters. We all need soul sharpeners. Proverbs 27, 17 is iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That's why we preach life groups around here. Small group men's Bible studies, small group ladies Bible studies, because we're better together. We need connection. We need to be together. We're not meant to go it alone. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. I think that's an oxymoron. Is that the right word? I think that is, is that right? Yeah, thank you. I needed some assurance on that one. That is not my strength, as Pastor Nate was talking about last week. So uh, soul sharpeners, as iron sharpens iron. So we need people who are building us up that are sharpening one another. We need models and mentors. Uh, Ray Johnson, the pastor of this book, Hope Quotient, uh, talks about a time that about 20 years ago. Now he has a, he's about 70 years old. He's passing the baton to a next generation. Still preaches a lot, speaks everywhere, but has a church of about 20,000. But about 15, 17 years ago, he was invited to be a part of a, a, a high-impact communicators, world-changing impact communicators, and to go to conferences and share. And he just looked and he said, I... He confided in a friend and he said, you know, I just, I feel so insecure. I feel like I don't belong. I, you know what, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm honored to be asked, but I just don't feel secure about this. I feel very insecure. And he asked his friend, you know, what his thoughts were on this. And his friend said this, this is perfect. The best way to grow as a communicator is to be the worst communicator in the room. That's you. Good friends, right? And the best way to grow as a leader is to be the smallest leader in the room. You again. I so resonated with that when I read that because uh, for the last 10 years, last 10 out of 12 years, we've gone on uh, a time with a, a conference with 20 to 25 other pastors in our denomination that have large churches, large pastors. And we are always, Heather and I representing, we are always the smallest church. We're the small fish uh, in, the, in a bigger pond. And I've thought many times when we've been there, in fact, Pastor Aaron, our middle school pastor, the reason we found him uh, is because his dad is one of the pastors and he's become a good friend. He pastors a large church in Ohio of close to 2,000. And uh, it, he was asking me a question one time at lunch four or five years ago. He goes, Kent, what's your greatest insecurity? Well, I didn't want to answer that. So I said, you ask the question, you go first. What's your greatest insecurity? And he shared what it was, and I'm not going to share it with you. But then he said, okay, now it's your turn. What's your greatest insecurity? I said that Heather and I don't belong here. That we're around some incredible leaders. And I feel like we're the last dog at the bowl. But we have the most to gain. We have the most to learn. We have the most to receive and get. It's a blessing. Don't be afraid to be the last dog at the bowl. Don't be afraid to be that, the small fish in that big pond. You have an opportunity. And, and God, he lifts up the humble. He opposes the proud. But if we'll humble ourselves, God wants to use those experiences to help us to become more like him. We need heart healers. Moms, you're good at this. Can I just say today, moms, you're good at this. Thank you. And I know when I say that, I know that not everyone had a good mom experience. And um, because we're imperfect, we're sinners, we're broken people. 
But as a general rule of thumb, many moms, grandmas, you're so good at being heart healers. Where, where do we go when we scab up our knees? We go to our mom first. We don't go to dad. We go to mom. And when we're on TV in front of millions of people at a football game, what do we yell out? Hi, mom. It's, not, it's never. You ever see a thank you, dad? Uh-uh. No. Hi, dad. He's the one who taught him everything about the sport. But it's always, hey, mom, because moms are heart healers. And we need heart healers sometimes in our life. There's been times in our life that Heather and I have been blessed because people have come alongside when we've been so broken and have helped heal our hearts. The church should be a place of heart healers. The church should be a place where we run to first, not that we run from first. I think of some young pastor friends of ours that in our last state in California, Jason and Amy, and I just talked to Jason about nine, ten months ago. They're doing fantastic. God is blessing their ministry. But about ten years ago, he and his wife Amy stood up in front of their church, their small old church. In a moment of vulnerability, they just said, guys, we have to be honest with you. We don't think our marriage is going to make it. And we need to work on us. And we're going to do everything we can. We're going to seek counseling. But we just need you to know that this is where we are. And we totally understand if you would like us to resign and step away from ministry at this point. The church did just the opposite. The church gathered around Jason and Amy. And they became the church. Because pastors, and we're not perfect. We have our times that we're broken when we're down, when we're discouraged. We have things that don't go right, and it wasn't going right for him. And in that moment of vulnerability, that little church in Merced, California, of Bear Creek Church of the Nazarene came around Jason, and now they're pastoring in Idaho. But they pastored for the next eight years and just recently moved to Idaho. God has done a great thing in their marriage. He's resurrected. God can raise Jesus from the dead. He can raise your marriage from the dead. It doesn't mean he does it all the time because... It takes two to tango. Both of them were willing to work at it, but both of them humbled themselves. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, and they needed heart healers. And there's a great little church that I don't even know, but I'm so proud of today of a church that came and gathered around and walked through life and became heart healers to Jason and Amy. And today I believe they're a better pastor, better husband and wife, better parents than they've ever been because they had a church full of heart healers that wanted to be a part of the solution, not add to the problem. We all need heart healers at times. And then we need this, the one we don't get excited about, but we need tail kickers sometimes too. Again, I think of coaches. That's my first thought, kind of my background. In high school, I had a coach that uh, the head coach always told us, you know, hey, if I quit yelling at you, it means I've given up on you. He never gave up on me. He was always... He had never given up. He never quit on me. I got yelled at pl plenty, but he believed in me. And, and, but coaches have to kick our tails sometimes. They have to help us not feel sorry for ourselves and push through adversity. Uh, teachers can be good at this. Dads, I think dads, sometimes uh, God's geared us this way. Moms too, but I believe sometimes God's geared us to, to have some tough love. Moms, some tough love. We need tail kickers in our life. I do want to give a caution and a warning on this fifth one on tail kickers. Couple warnings. One, if you're kind of aspiring to want to be a tail kicker, you probably shouldn't be. 
probably not a good thing. My last church, I had a board member, and I was telling about I was coming across a conflict situation. I was like, oh, man, I hate conflict. He's like, oh, really? I kind of like it. And for a moment, I thought, well, and I thought, no, no, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't want to engage in conflict if, if it comes natural and easy for you. Tail kicking should be something that you're doing for the other person's benefit, not for your own. I would say this in a husband-wife relationship. If you're in a husband-wife relationship and you're thinking, hey, maybe God's calling me a tail kicker. No, he's not. He's calling you to be a heart healer. I'm not saying there's never a tail kicker in the relationship in, the, in a husband-wife. I'm not saying it's ever. But if you're, if you're in doubt on which way you should go, be a heart healer. Look for ways that you can pray and build them up how you can lift the other up, not tear them down, not show them. They already, we dads, we already know the things that we don't do well. Moms, you know some of the things that you don't do well. We don't need to tell each other what you don't do well. We need to focus on what we do well and what we do right. We need to be heart healers. We need to let, maybe let others be the, the tail kickers. And then lastly, my last thing I would say is just refuse to go it alone. That's the message today. You want to raise your hope? Refuse to go it alone. Uh, my daughter, she went to um, Florida last July, single, 22 years old. We probably would not have left her there if it wasn't the, for the sake of there was another 22-year-old girl that she just met. They went to college four years together, didn't know each other. But I'm so thankful today for Jess Bear. Uh, Reagan would not be in Florida without Jess Bear. I'm thankful for Jess Bear today. I'm thankful for Tori at work, who is 31, single gal that's come around them, that's encouraged them and helped them kind of navigate through this new life. But even then, they had a desire for a deeper fellowship or deeper relationships. And uh, they had different tastes in church. And so after about looking at a church four or five times together, they decided to look for different churches, which I just want to say it's okay to find a church that you fit and you belong in. We want you to fit and belong in this church. We believe this is a great place to belong and, and, and we believe it's a great place to grow. But we're about the kingdom first. And, and if this church is something, and again, I don't want to talk you out of coming to church. We want, do you hear me? We want you to come to church here. But we want you to be in the church. And if there's a church that is helping you grow in your faith, we bless that church. If it's lifting up Jesus Christ, if it is obeying and adhering to the scriptures, if it is seeking Jesus with all their heart, then we are, are, we are for that church. And they just didn't find their place. So they began to look separately, go into different places. And July through December of last year, they just couldn't find. They looked about 12 different churches. And last January when Reagan went back, there was a young man who used to be our greeter here. His name was CJ, friendliest greeter we had. You'd probably remember if he was here because he just, anyway, he moved to Tampa. And uh, I said, reach out to CJ when you get there. He, he, he knows the area. He, he spent a lot of time there. And so they reached out to CJ, and CJ told them about three churches they could try. And um, Riley came back. Reagan stayed. Reagan went to that church. She is connected there. She, is, uh, she loves a 60-year-old, young, kind of, uh, uh, what's the preacher? New Jersey, a New Jersey preacher. I, I liked him. I got to hear him last week. I thought, man, they're getting good teaching, good preaching, great worship. It's a great church, packed out. Three different services, about 2,000 in each of them. But that's not why they're staying. They're not staying. She's not staying because it's big. She's not staying because the pastor's a great preacher, which he is. They're not staying because the worship was awesome, which it was. 
The reason that she's staying is because she's connected with 15 to 20 young ladies in a Bible study on Tuesday nights. That's why she's staying. That's the power of connection. We need one another. I love it that you come here on Sundays. I love it that we gather in the room. But friends, we need to be in life groups. We need to be in small group men's and women's Bible studies. We are meant to grow together. We're meant to grow stronger together. Refuse to go it alone. Here's my last encouragement for you today. And I'm fast forwarding because I'm gone a little bit long. Don't just raise your own hope. Raise the hope of others. And you may be here today and you're saying, hey, I'm filled with hope today. I am, I'm like Paul. I'm connected. I'm connected with other believers. I'm encouraged by my relationships. I'm so thankful for all the people that God has brought into my life. And that's you. Praise the Lord for it. I bless and I thank God for that. But don't just keep it for yourself. It's not just about you. It's about helping other people connect with the church and with believers. My favorite, and I'll close with this, my favorite Mother's Day story was about 10 years ago, um, like today, haven't planned it real well, so we will go out to dinner and wait in a long line. And uh, we were in a town of about 350,000. They had a P.F. Chang's, and so I was like, man, I know she likes that, so Heather, let's go to P.F. Chang's. The girls were in grade school. We showed up, and like it was on Mother's Day, there was like an hour and a half wait. And, but they said, hey, but you can sit at the high top bar if you want to in about 10, 15 minutes. And we said, yeah, we'll take it. And we went, we were sitting at the high top bar, the four of us, girls were little, and Heather looks over and she sees an older lady in her late 70s, a, a nice looking lady, well kept, um, you know, looked like she'd been to a church. I mean, she had kind of church clothes, if you will. And uh, Heather looked over and she said, and she kind of looked like she's praying, and she said, man, it's not right that she's by herself on Mother's Day. I think we should have her come over to our table. And I would love to tell you I'm this really compassionate pastor, full of grace. So this doesn't make me look very good, but I just kind of looked at her and I was like, you know, it's, it's, your, it's your Mother's Day. This, this is about you today. And the girls were kind of chiming in with me. Like, yeah, Mom, this is about you today. This is, this, is, this is Mother's Day. And we weren't really encouraging that. And Heather said, no, I think we need, need to have her over. I said, Heather, some people like to be alone. I like to be alone sometimes. She wouldn't have come here if she didn't want to be here. I, I think she's okay. And she's like, no, no. And I said, well, it's your funeral. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I, I said, if you want to go ask her, I don't, I was tired and I'm making excuses, but kind of the end of my day on Sunday, you want to get the worst of me, get me about 1.30 or 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, you'll get the worst pastor of the week at that point. And I was just kind of like, I just wanted to hole up, be by ourselves, just us. And Heather was like, no, I think we need to. She went over and she asked. She graciously came over and she sat with us. And friends, I'm just going to tell you, as I told the first service, one of the greatest Mother's Days we've ever had. One of the greatest blessings we ever received. And it didn't happen because of me. It didn't happen because of my daughter's. But it was someone that saw someone that wasn't connected and wanted them to feel a part of something. And we had such a great time. You know what was really cool? Is the workers got to see Jesus. Not me, not my girls, but they got to see Jesus through my wife. They brought us a $100 gift card after we paid for the bill for our next stop. They gave her a $100 gift card for her next time. And we were beyond blessed without getting the gift card. We were just so blessed by the 
relationship and fellowship we had that lady. I don't remember her name to this day. I don't have any picture of her. We didn't snap any shots. But it's etched forever in my mind, and I'm so grateful. And friends, that's what the church is to be. And you may came here today, and you are connected. You know people. You look forward to seeing people. But if, if I could give one challenge on Mother's Day, if you would receive a challenge, it would be this. If we would come to church each and every week and we would just look for one person, not two, not three, or maybe one family, one family, one person, and we would just go and say, hey, my name's Kent. How long have you been coming here? My name's Kent. How long have you been here? I say to say it that way, learn a lesson from me. Many years ago, I was at a church, I was associate pastor, and I'd really confident I'd been there about six months and a couple came through the doors and I said, hey, it's good to see you, your first time here. And they're like, Sonny, we've been here 40 years, a lot longer than you have. (laughs) So don't do what I did. Say, how long you been coming here? You'll never get a bad response. You'll be like, hey, this is my first Sunday. Or I've been here 15 years. I can't tell you how many times people do that here and they didn't know that they went to church with each other for the last 15 years. But how different And what kind of a culture can we build here? And you guys are doing so well at it, but how much better could we be if we came with our head on a swivel each and every week looking not only to our own needs, but also to the needs of others, looking for ways that we can connect them with God and with his family. With you, pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for our mothers today. Thank you for every lady in this room and every lady online. Thank you, God, for the blessing of the women that you have created in our lives. We bless them today. We honor them today. We praise you for them today. And Lord, I thank you for the baptisms we're about to have, Lord. I thank you for these statements of faith that these two here in the second service and the two in the first service, Lord, they are going public, that they are giving their lives to Jesus Christ. They're going to follow you. They're going to endeavor to honor you with the rest of their lives. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy in them. I pray your blessing on them today. And for everyone in this room today, I just pray, God, that we would receive the greatest connection we could ever receive, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. And before we celebrate this baptism today, the best thing and what I'd love to do is introduce you to a relationship with Jesus Christ and connect you to him. And if you don't have that today, I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out, but I will pray with you. Would you just raise your hand that I can pray with you before we leave today? Your heads bowed, eyes are closed. You just raise your hand. I want a relationship with Jesus. That's what you're saying. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hand down. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for those that made this commitment in the first service, and thank you for those that make that commitment in the second service. Lord, we commit this prayer to you right now. Change our hearts and change our lives for your purpose and for your glory. In Jesus' name. We're going to pray a prayer together. We pray each and every week. Would you stand with me? For those who have raised their hands so they don't have to say this by themselves, just a simple prayer of faith. Would you repeat after me? Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he gave his life to forgive my sins and was raised from the grave to give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen and amen.